turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. i got some free tickets to give away to a game coming up. Hopefully you can make it out. Let's see. The San Diego Goals, Saturday, February 10th. So a little pre-NHL. I'm sorry. A little pre-AHL Valentine's Day fun for you. Wow. It's a home game. It's Saturday at 1.15 against the San Diego Goals. Uh, should be a good time. Uh, the San Jose Barracuda are having a good season. They're trying to put a march to get into the playoffs. They've got about two months to figure that out. They're sitting just outside the playoff bubble. They're having a nice season for sure. And uh, a lot of great young players that you'll see on the San Jose Sharks in the coming months and years. See them before they become famous. Saturday, February 10th, 1.15. You be home by dinner. San Diego Goals. It's the SAP Center in San Jose. Four tickets. Call 800 516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Tell Mike that you'd like those four tickets. I think we only have four to give away today, so we'll try to dig up some more tickets in the following days. As I like the giveaways where you actually get to go have a really nice time and save a lot of money. Those are the best giveaways in my mind. So anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um... Let's see. Worst case scenarios, I could hit on that. Let's probably not do that. Um, the job market is good. They think it could drop. Unemployment could drop to three point five percent by the end of the year, based on how many jobs we've added in January to start. Um, Two hundred thirty-four thousand jobs added. So it's pretty pretty brisk out there. That's a good number. And, you know, the big question I have for you is, are you taking advantage of it? Uh, Because it's a job market juggernaut, in my opinion. So if you take a look at it, service-related industries contributed 212,000 of the 234,000. Trade and transportation led the way with 51,000. Education health services added 47,000. So we're we're pretty much so automatically going to add jobs every month. There's some years where the recessions are so bad, maybe not. But because we have people moving to the United States, because we have people having babies, we're pretty much so adding jobs on a pretty regular basis. And it looks like it's going to be a pretty good year. Um, it's still early, but with the tax cuts and you know, with global prosperity flourishing, it, it, it's it's nice. So Trump had his State of the Union address last night. He hit on the economy, immigration, infrastructure. It was his first day of the Union speech. It was long. If I was the president, I would keep it to 10 minutes or less. Get in, get out. And uh, 
A lot of people on Twitter were mad at the president for clapping into the microphone. <laughs> we are a nation of we will get mad at something. I guarantee you, we will figure out a way to get mad at something. So Monday and Tuesday were rough days on Wall Street. Wednesday, not so bad. Investors bought the debt. President Trump stayed on script last night. Boeing jumps to a new record high following an upbeat earnings guidance. That's kind of what you want to see. If they're running higher as a stock, you kind of want to see that the performance of the earnings every 90 days are kind of keeping some track. So strength day in industrials, technology, real estate, weakness in materials, healthcare, and utilities. CDC chief, the head of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, resigns amid a tobacco stock furor. So the departure came less than a day after it was revealed she bought stock in a tobacco company within a month of taking her job. Kind of funky, right? Our Center for Disease Control, which uh, limits and regulates um, certain industries due to their damaging health effects on our children are are innocent um, got caught doing something that probably wasn't very smart bitcoin's headed for its biggest monthly drop since january 2015 with nearly 60 billion of value wiped out my side story on that is i've got a friend who i was looking through my facebook pages and uh she's like oh no bitcoin hit under ten thousand and she had four or five responses from her friends like, oh, what, what, wait, wait, how much? And, you know, if you take a look at Bitcoin in a year telescope, it looks better than it does in a month telescope. Um, I worry about Bitcoin because I don't know enough about it, but I know enough about a guy named Warren Buffett, and he thinks Bitcoin ends badly. And Facebook yesterday came out and said they're banning ads that promote cryptocurrencies. Social networking giant said it's trying to stop the promotional promotion of financial products and services frequently associated with misleading or deceptive promotional practices. That's not good. Oh, sounds like we have a phone call. Andrew and Martinez. Andrew, how are you? Hey, good. How you doing, Rob? I'm good. I'm a little hey. tired today. I think flu's going around again, right? Yeah, no, I had it a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't feel good. It's bad. Uh, it's a bad year for being sick, for sure. So what's up to? Um, yeah, I had a question about the uh, the stock C trip. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. I uh, I wrote a putt on it um, over the summer, collected a little bit of income, and ended up having to buy the shares, which might be a good thing. But uh, just wondering if maybe you know it might be a good idea to sell them or maybe hold them long term. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the company. I'm fa- yeah, I'm fascinated by C trip. What what what's your story on C trip? Then I'll tell you mine. Um, I uh, you heard about it, I don't know, uh, somewhere online, and um, looked at the price. It seemed like a pretty decent price in the mid-40s. Ended up buying a wrote a putt on it, and uh, ended up, you know, the shares were given to me. So, um, I, I, you know, I had to buy them, of course. But, um, so, yeah, so long-term play, it looks interesting to me. But, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. It's a play on China, um, and thanks for the call. So they do real business. They're kind of the Expedia or the Priceline of China. They're a company that books reservations and airline tickets uh, for China. Uh, the company works with some 19,000 hotels abroad and offers package tours to its customers. Very much so like Expedia or uh, Travelocity or you get the idea. 
Um, but they have their services through 50 major cities in China, and they've got a trilingual website. They do the whole 24-7, 365 uh, service. So if you take a look at the amount of five here, it's done exactly what you would want. It's gone from 9 bucks to 47 There was a point in time I think it got to a high of about 60 um, But it's been playing in that 47 area for a while. Um <clears throat> I looked at the stock at the start of last year, maybe yeah, maybe first quarter, second quarter, and, and there's enough to like. Um, it could be your speculative play on China. I, I think Alibaba is the Amazon of China. I think Ctrip is the Expedia of the United of China. The next earnings release is February 21. Um, companies expect to report earnings mid to late February, so you do pay attention to the options that happen right before it. So they're seeing a lot of interest right now on the puts, pushing implied volume up. Um, I I like the idea of C-Trip, but the fact that I speak no Chinese and the fact that I don't necessarily trust Chinese officials to completely embrace capitalism adds a little bit of uncertainty to the company. But like I said, Alibaba is the Amazon C-Trip is the Expedia, and you see the translations, and you get the idea. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. It's now time for a check-in with our partners at Santa Clara Basketball for this week's chat with Coach Sindek. Here's the voice of the Broncos, Anthony Passarelli, with Coach. All right, we're here for this week's chat with Coach Sindek segment, brought to you by Heffernan Insurance Brokers. Heffernan, proud partner of Santa Clara Athletics, as the Broncos wrap up the Southern California road swing with a victory against Pepperdine. But some nice things come out of that victory, and everybody got involved, and you had to do it a little short man. Yes, no doubt. It was a good road win, a good bounce-back win for our team. We had outstanding contributions from a number of guys. Uh, Certainly, uh, KJ continues to play at a high level for us, scored the basketball. Emmanuel, a double-double, and Henry Caruso um, hit four threes, scored 23 points, and, and really played a great all-around game. And like we said, the Broncos were a little short-handed. Matt Hauser uh, injured his foot uh, or had to come out of the game against San Diego on the Thursday night. What's the assessment as early as it is in this uh, situation with him? We're still waiting and trying to figure out how long he's going to be out. Um, you know, obviously he went down, I remember the exact second, 17:44 in the first half, just two minutes and 16 seconds into the San Diego game, and, and obviously we didn't have his services uh, against Pepperdine, and uh, the guys collectively responded well. So you've obviously you've had to deal with things like this in the past. You've been coaching for a few years. How has coaching changed? I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. You've been through a couple of decades of young men and changes in technology and changes in the way things work with uh, engaging with the players. Has coaching changed? Everything has changed. There's not one aspect, it seems, that hasn't evolved, you know, from technology to, um, you know, the, the interpersonal dynamics um, even the game itself in the last few years has continued to evolve and change and the game is played differently now than it was you know, previously. So how many of your core tenets of coaching the Herb Sendek style have stayed the same over the years? Well, I mean, I think you know, 
some core tenets remain in place and and don't change. But I think if you're gonna if you're gonna coach or lead or or do anything over the span of decades, it's incumbent upon you to continue to learn, to adjust, and and constantly try to improve and make be- make better. I have to ask for an example. Can you think of anything maybe that has been something that you've always done over the years that you started with as a young coach that still holds true today? Oh, there'd be a, there'd be a lot of things. It's 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 hard to you know identify just just one, um, you know. But I, I think you know preparation uh, has has always been really important for us. And then finally, uh, this upcoming. Uh, Thursday and Saturday. Broncos are back home. Uh, they get a first look at Pacific and then a, kind of a, another rematch with USF after the win up there. Looking ahead to Pacific, a team you haven't played, but a team that uh, clearly has had some success under second-year head coach Damon Stoudemire. No, they're really talented. They're, they're as athletic as anybody um, that we're going to compete against, and um, they're playing very well. And then, and then USF continues to do well. Uh, they took Gonzaga to the wire on the road uh, Saturday night, and uh, so we have two very uh, challenging home games, and uh, we'll need everybody uh, to come out and help us get over the hump. All right, Coach, thanks a lot, and good luck this week. Thank you. All right, that's Bronco head coach Herb Sendick. Broncos take on University of Pacific on Thursday at the Levy Center, and then USF on Saturday. Be sure to catch the Broncos and West Coast Conference play this season right here on AM 1220, KDOW, the home of Santa Clara basketball. not going to have a crystal ball. You can see the signs of a problem, and it doesn't necessarily have to stop right there. So housing debt, you know, was very problematic in 2004, 2005, 2006, and it didn't really start unwinding until then. Um, and it, when it unwound, it, it hurt a lot of people, and a lot of people went bankrupt. Um, but in, in the memo, Mark's this billionaire who Warren Buffett likes, he, he wrote up nine ingredients that can make up a boom or a bubble. And he goes, benign environment. That's an environment where good times make investors very complacent. He said, a grain of truth, a catalyst of a boom is typically real, but it gets overblown. Early success, this is when people make big gains early on. They're going to turn into the fool in the end to cash out their investment concept. And I caution people, like, nothing's, there's no 8% guarantees. It makes me sick when people think there are. There kind of are in, like, Social Security. If you don't take it early on, you get, you know, more money. But you're not going to get 8% returns on an investment product without a lot of risk. Um, So another problem, another area that you can kind of create a bubble in is more money than ideas. And that's when people pour money into lackluster investment ideas because of a glut of capital. Um, and we have a glut. We've got cheap money right now. How about a willing disbelief, a uh, will, willing suspension of, of disbelief, where people convince themselves this is a different time. This is the time that it, you know it's going to really work, and a correction will never ever happen. Rejection of valuation norms, where you know we talked during the show about you know metrics, a PE, price to sales ratio. And if you see, there's something called a value line, and you can go to your library this weekend and grab it and take a look at like an Intel. 
um, or, or whatever company you want to look at. And if it's been around for five years, take a look at how has it traded in the last five years. Maybe it's had a PE as low as 12 and a, currently a PE of 23, but its all-time five-year range is 12 to 25 and it's at 23. So it's at the higher end of its valuation norms. Um, you know, the th- dot-com bubble, this is when people started saying, you know, it doesn't matter how high a stock is, it can go higher. And they, you know, Tesla and Apple are companies, and Amazon, you know, as they march towards trillion-dollar market cap valuations, people are like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, maybe it doesn't make sense. Um, the pursuit of the new. A lot of young people or people who are, you know, starting to make more money, um, they start getting invested in the stock market. And for the first time, they're like, oh, the only thing I really know is social media stocks. I'm going to invest in social media stocks. And I use things like Snap and Twitter. So, therefore, I'm going to invest in Snap and Twitter. And that could be a problem, to say the least. The virtuous circle, which is when people think the truth underpinning an asset will never change and can only push the price of it higher. So, that's when people think, you know, the underpinning of an asset will never change. And, you know, at one point in time, Yahoo beat out Excite, they beat out Lycos, they beat out every other internet company, essentially, and they became the portal of dominance. And then portals kind of got replaced with apps. And we moved from the desktop to the mobile phone. And another area where you can, like, you just have to know that things can and will change. And, you know, a company like CBS, where they dominate the ratings television, you know, slowly but surely some cable shows like Breaking Bad start working really well. And uh, the number of people watching YouTube starts to grow. And before you even know it, what was once a company that could do almost no wrong is, is missing users. They're missing eyeballs. And the final thing that you can kind of get into a bubble mentality with is the fear of missing out, FOMO. And that can be, you know, Amazon's up 50% this year and it's gone from 500 to 1,000. And you're like, well, I got to get it because if it goes from 1,000 to 1,500, I don't want to be stupid and not have it. Um, so that's pretty powerful when people go that direction. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the shoe. So some of the stories I've been hitting today. Private payrolls grow by 234000 That's a plus. But our wages aren't growing that fast, and the cost for hiring people and keeping them employed, their employment co- employee costs are rising. At some point in time, that's not a good thing. Trump touted his college savings in speech last night, and this is the one that I'm not political, and I try to show you that like there's nothing on my sleeve. I'm not. I don't have an agenda. But you know, there, there's positives and there's negatives. I think you know. Um, I don't think anyone is truly perfect, and I don't think anyone is truly, you know, flawed. And um, I think our system is—it's pretty good. It'd be nice if we had more representation of different types of people. It seems silly that we should be one of three marbles—an independent, <laughs> Republican, or a Democrat. But President Trump last night hit on the economy, immigration, infrastructure. 
We talked about the stock market, which has smashed one record after another, gaining $8 trillion in value. That's great news for our 401k plans, our pensions, our college savings accounts. He talked about balances in 529 accounts have been growing. But he didn't talk about how the costs have been growing. And again, that's what we keep coming back to. You know, when you look at the employers and employees and how much does an employee make wages, when you start looking at wages, are they growing with the cost of rent? Are they growing with the cost of home ownership? Are they growing with the cost of food? It's all about comparison, right? And I think it's great that, you know, the average 529 plan has, you know, 15000 or so dollars in it. But families with students in four-year college spent almost $47,000 um, in a year. And at a state four-year college, you know, it's 20000 plus. Um, that's a lot of money. A college degree now is the second largest expense an individual is likely to make in a lifetime right after purchasing a home. Tuition hasn't historically, um, tuition historically has been like crazy. You know, are your wages growing at three to five percent a year? No, but the cost of college is. So it's going to be interesting to see because we're saddling a lot of debt at this point in time. Ninety-eight percent of college applicants and their parents said financial aid would be necessary to pay for college. Ninety-eight percent. And I used to say stupid stuff on the radio, and trust me, I'm I'm well aware of. I've said things like, "Don't let your kids go get you know a poetry degree, not if it's going to cost two hundred thousand dollars." And that's a horrible thing to say, because we need poets in our society. But the college debt, you know, hitting one point four trillion, it, it's it's a lot of money. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, talk a little financial planning topics. Chad does the morning show here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. You can listen to him at 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton right now, talk a little financial planning action. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. He is with NewFocusFinancial.com. You can find him online, NewFocusFinancial.com. You can find him here on the airwaves between 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock on KDOW, his show, New Focus on Wealth. Now, California is the land of opportunity, and California has created a lot of real estate wealth for people who have been in the state 10, 20, 30, 40 years. They've probably done well if they've owned a home for more than 15. A lot of Californians are going to be house rich in retirement. Some of them are going to be stock option rich. Some of them will be 401k rich. Some of them will be a combination of the, of the three. What do we need to know about being house rich in retirement? I get ready for a massive move in America where people are going to be downsizing their home in the next 20 years. You have so many baby boomers that are drastically undersaved for retirement, underprepared for retirement. Um, if they live in the Bay Area, likely if they're, they're one of these people in these studies that have undersaved, they're going to eventually having to tap their home in a reverse mortgage or or move out of the state, move out of the country even. Uh, so studies I've seen, Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies did one where only one in 10 people make a calculation in their lifetime of how long their money's going to last. Okay. Other studies by Retirement Institute and other places have said that uh, of the people that do have 401k balances, the average person that has a 401k balance is only projected to save enough to replace 60% of their income. Okay. So hopefully their house is paid off by retirement so that they can have the option to tap some equity, sell it, move it, whatever it may be. That's one of the best things about owning a home is you pay yourself rent, which means you're paying yourself equity. And after 10, 20, 30 years, hopefully it's added up to a a situation where maybe that equity you've paid yourself can now be turned into rent 
that you're paying to someone else, or maybe it's you just stay in the house. But yeah, the, unfortunately, the, the affordability factor is an issue too because you get a 50 year old wanting to buy a home, and it's gotten so expensive that they'll stop funding their 401k because they think it's such a great idea to buy a home. Right, which is a huge mistake. Right. If you can't afford to max out your 401k and buy that house, you're not ready to buy that house. I'm seeing a lot of people under 35 doing exactly what you're saying. They're not buying the house. Some of them are maxing out the 401k. Some of them are, but that's really important to you um, to have the nest egg totally separate than the home that you live in or the place that you rent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, start working out of college, save 15 percent of pay while you're saving for that slush fund. For that first home, you could even do that in your Roth IRA if you wanted to, and and build up, get used to saving that fifteen percent of pay, so that you know if I continue to do that, that's what I need to be able to retire. This home will just supplement my retirement, or maybe it'll take a couple of years off my retirement if I get it paid off early. You know, thirty years down the road, you have to take some time to do some calculations. You have to continue to be able to save money into your four hundred one k. Take the time to to not be these one in 10 people that don't run these calculations of how much they need in retirement. If you're going to run calculations, where should you go to see these calculations? Because let's say my house is worth a million dollars equity. I don't know how long that's, I I guess on radio, I say it's $40,000 a year till the day I die, but how do I figure this out? You know, if you can't figure it out and on a basic level, that's when you, it's worth to pay maybe an hourly CFP, somebody that charges by the hour to, to do these projections for you. If you don't have the assets yet to have a wealth manager do it as part of the wealth management program, um, because the online calculators don't do a good job in analyzing your tax situation and forcing you to actually think about things like what are your healthcare costs in retirement. So people will just take their current expenses and, and assume that they don't pay almost any taxes based on these online calculators, and they, they get disappointed. They're, they do a very poor job, unfortunately. You know, the more I talk to you, the more I get intimidated by making decisions in retirement. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, but at the same time, we also tell younger people that, you know, you start by saving that 15 to 20% of pay yeah. in total stock market index, international and emerging market indexes. If you do that, you can do a lot of things on your own until you get that first hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars saved up. Make sure you have your disability insurance and you're saving, you know, fifteen to twenty percent of pay. You're gonna be wealthy when you're sixty five. You just have to put your head down and do it. Okay. So when I threw out that intimidation thing, I was kind of saying that it's it's complicated. Like figuring out the value of your home and how many years of income that can translate into it's intimidating. For, yeah, that's what for the average person. That's what happens. Once you build up a certain amount of assets you become just as nervous about making mistakes as, you know, picking the next mutual fund. So then you become worried about taxes because that starts eating and you see, oh my gosh, I'm paying all this money on my, because of my 1099s I'm getting. Um, so that's when you, you seek out the professional help. Seek out the professional help. You can find Shaft Burton at CF, uh, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. But you can find Chad Burton at chadburton.com as well. And I'm Rob Black. And last night, President Trump did his State of the Union address. And, you know, if I were to do the state of technology, <laughs> you'd be like, no, no, um, no, yesterday, no. So um, Google closed its $1.1 billion with HTC, adding more than 2000 smartphone engineers to its ranks. Um, that's a little more heat on Apple for sure. Elon Musk is leveraging his inner Tony Stark, as I told you yesterday, when he's going to start selling flamethrowers. He thinks it's com- perfectly compliant with U.S. weapons laws, and 
I think the first day uh, someone takes a flamethrower to school, I think we're going to quickly rethink our thoughts on that one. U.S. Justice Department added some fuel to conspiracy theories about Apple, saying it would investigate the company's claims that it slows down older phones to keep them from shutting down randomly. In the end, I get it. But the state of technology and the state of how honest are companies like Facebook being with us and how are we, we're making them really, really powerful. And at some point in time, Washington, D.C.'s hammer is going to come crashing down or the European Union's hammer. And, you know, should tech companies be required to be more proactive in fighting sex trafficking on their platforms? Should tech companies be more held accountable for catching terrorists? A lot going on there. And Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet all are going to see proposals thrown at them for raising increased regulation on them. Uh, Congress is so dysfunctional at times, and politics have become so polarized, that it's unlikely meaningful regulation will get passed into law anytime soon as they fight with each other. Um, so working on the internet, you know, policies, I mean, I, I remember looking at some of these things during the Clinton era and I'm going like, oof, oof, there's a lot there to be tackled. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show, and drop me a line at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. I do my best to continue to do this radio show and television work. I won't forever. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize people start dying at my age. I prefer not to do that. My dad had a heart attack three years from my age. And then six years later, and during his heart attack, they found lung cancer. So they chop up the lung cancer, and six years later, it comes back, and six months later, he's dead. I'm like, whoa. And that starts weighing on you when you start getting close to the age that he was, you know? I, I think that's what it is. But I do the best I can. And I hope you've learned something through the years. We're all told from time to time how crucial it is to save for retirement. And I want you to actually get to retirement and enjoy it. I don't want you to work till you get cancer and die or work till you have a heart attack and die. A large chunk of workers in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s continue to put their retirement at risk. You know, When I'm doing tough love, Rob, it's like they're going to get what they deserve. And when I'm doing like, man, this sucks. Um... I implore you, start saving for retirement. So 41% of Generation Xers and 42% of baby boomers have yet to start building their nest eggs. 42% of baby boomers, they're not going to get there. It's too late. 41% of Generation Xers are going to start having to think, maybe I live in Tonga, or maybe I live in Belize, or maybe I live in Arkansas, which is kind of the same thing as a third world country to me. I'll be here all day. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But 42% of baby boomers, 41% of Generation Xers, no matter your age, if you've been in the workforce a while, 
still have nothing set aside for retirement. It's time to start changing your ways, and I can't implore you enough. Uh, when I see how much the government spends and I see how much debt we have in the United States, I, I don't think Social Security is going to be there. If you're under the age of 40, I don't think it's going to be there. A lot of folks who hold off saving money for retirement do so because their living expenses eat up their whole paychecks. And you're like, Rob, what can I do? You have to do something. That's not the answer to not do anything. <clears throat> so contrary to what you might have heard, Social Security is not going to provide you enough income. Um, it will, if you're lucky, cover 40% of your previous income, assuming the program is required to slash payments in the future. So costs go up in the first five years of retirement, not down. You know, 40% is not enough. And when so much of that money goes to health care costs, it's not good. Not only do people, you know, need around 80% of their previous earnings to live comfortably as seniors, a large chunk of retirees also end up spending more money, not less. So if you start saving $500 a month at age 37, 30 years later, you'll have 567000 if you wait till you're 42 to save 500 a month, 30 years later you'll have 379,000 at age 67. If you wait till age 47, 20 years from now when you're 67 you'll have 246,000, and that's 500 dollars a month. That adds up to a nice little chunk of change, but you could clearly tell that it's a lot more money if you start sooner. And a 401k is a great way to do it. 16,122 is what most people get on average in Social Security. Um, you can get a little bit more by working a little bit longer, by earning more for sure. But it, 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 for what you put in, it, it, it's not a good payout. And that's disappointing, but it is what it is. So please start saving a little bit sooner, a little bit longer, a little bit better. Um, that's my advice. I want you to get to the point where somewhere around 50, 55, 60, you go, I want to take my foot off the gas so I don't literally burn myself out and die. That's just my opinion. And again, you can tell me to go bugger off. I don't whatever. I get it. So private payrolls jumped by 234,000 blowing past expectations. We got a good, healthy job market right now. Not healthy in wages, but healthy in if you want to work, there's a job for you. Very likely. Unless you're my... One of my family members has been out of work for four plus years. And is now depressed. Um, Consumer Protection Bureau. Structure upheld in a blow to Trump's deregulation efforts. Um, presidents can do action in a lot of ways, and regulations are one of them. Center for Disease Control Chief Brenda Fitzgerald resigns amid rumors that she was buying and selling tobacco stocks. I don't know how I feel about that. She bought stock in a tobacco company within a month of taking her job. She's an OBGYN. She also owns stocks in other tobacco companies, despite overseeing CDC's smoking cessation programs. My dad died of cancer, and I've owned you know, a tobacco company, and it's not the greatest thing in the world. But I don't think it's a bombshell report. Now, there's questions on laws. Like, was she structuring... <coughs> Excuse me, policy, so that you know the the hammer didn't fall on tobacco companies, and then suddenly she's in a tobacco company and tobacco company does well. Well, she structured laws that it limited or helped marketing to children. So that's the bombshell for me. 
Anyhow, I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.